On this week's episode of Back of the Grid Podcast, we're going to be reviewing the Mexican Grand Prix. We're going to be having a little driver, young driver check-in, and we'll be putting together some storylines and some preview for next week's Brazilian Grand Prix. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Hello. And by Chris. Hello. Hello. And uh, if you're new to the channel or if you enjoy listening to us and you haven't done it yet, please hit that subscribe button. Um, Whichever format you're watching or listening on, it helps us millions. Um, Right. Let's get into this week's episode, guys. Here to review the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, sadly, no culturally appropriate theme tune for us this week. It's just the regular old. <laughs> I'd, for, I'd forgot about that. <laughs> regular old back of the grid theme tune. We we played we played out to that theme tune one year, didn't we? Yeah, I mean that you know that that one time it came out, it was actually, and yeah. I think I don't think Formula One ever actually commissioned it. I mean, it's like someone just went and made it, and then they. Got I think it, it was right? originally like, the Mexican Grand Prix promoters used it on their own promotional video, um, yeah. and it was so good that it was like. Okay, we're yeah. going to use it, but then like <laughs> now they're keeping on using it. It's become yeah. a bit, mm, a bit is, is it a bit racist? Is it a bit awkward? T- typical fun though, isn't it? Just bleed it until they've got as much out of it as they possibly can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so. yeah, it's, it's a classic. It's a classic fun move. <clears throat> um, yeah, let's talk about um, let's talk about the race. Let's talk about the whole the whole the whole deal, the whole shebang. Um, Chris, do you want to take us in? Yeah, not a. <laughs> All-time great race, I don't think. No, no. It was engaging. It was was a decent enough race, I think. I can't work out if the red flag made it better or worse. I was losing interest by the red flag. I think the red flag definitely saved it. I think we were heading into a heavy lull as that red flag came out. It felt like... No. Much, much like, much like that. Then, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red flag. Just, just, just to illustrate what a heavy lull feels like. There we have it. There we have it. Um, I think it was yeah. um, Karun Chandok at some point over the weekend said something along the lines of, "This event has got all the ingredients of a fantastic Grand Prix." except a racetrack <laughs> to deliver it like it's got an amazing yeah. crowd an amazing setting like amazing everyone seems to enjoy tune. going there but the track just never quite seems to deliver yeah. especially the last sector which is just five sector's a bit mickey mouse i think i think like the bending first over backwards to try decent, and but bending over backwards to try and get that final sector to work and yeah. so they can get yeah. all the cars through the crowd and like state and safely obviously as well and it just uh, there's a better way through that. I'm sure there has to be a yeah. way Formula E that. have a different layout. They kind of loop around the stadium and come back out the same side it goes in and then use all of the old final corner onto the main straight. Like That feels like it would be a better solution. That feels like a fo- more Formula One solution as well. Because I it's think a, the problem is... Big power onto long straight. The problem is FE cars can basically go side by side anywhere, whereas Formula mm-hmm. One cars... I think if they use the FE layout, they'd just single file it through there and the people who are paying a premium to be in the stadium wouldn't get to see much. I think that those corners are designed to keep the cars in the stadium as long as yeah. possible yeah. by making totally. them horrible slow corners. Absolutely, 100%. Well, I mean, things do happen there. Like we saw Bottas and Stroll have their yeah. incident there, which I'm sure... We'll Something certainly there. happened. Um you know, so I mean, and it would be exciting to, as, as a place to watch Formula One, it does look like one of the best places in the world to, you know, to to engage with the sport and to engage with our fans and and enjoy watching the cars going around oh, for on sure. a race weekend. But yeah, in terms of like a track overall, definitely um, not not my favourite either. No, yeah. I suppose Perez? we should start by talking about Perez. Yeah. Um, I mean, we always were going to start by talking about Perez at his home race, I think, come what may. But um, I think so. He was he was having one of his better weekends. Like qualifying, he was only a couple of tenths off Verstappen. Yeah. Um, through practice as well, like he was he was pretty pretty on it. It was looking all right. 
he had a monster start. Like, I mean, we've spent all season saying starts are the one weakness that car has. and Not anymore. No, not this weekend. They've been working um, on him as well, haven't they? Those yeah. Like... I mean, but but yeah, both of them. It's not, wasn't just a Perez thing, that was it. Verstappen yeah, also got flew off an line. absolutely mega launch against the Ferraris. Yeah. yeah. But then obviously <laughs> Perez got himself three wide for the lead into turn one and didn't get any further. Yeah. Three um, into turn one, just don't go. <laughs> I mean, he does if you don't drive it like it's too wide. That was the problem. He got three wide and drove it like it was too wide. Well, he just chopped across Leclerc, didn't he? Can can I just point out an interesting fact for you? We've now officially talked about Perez for longer than he lasted in the Grand Prix. <laughs> you've you've had your eye on the cross the I'm entire just, time. No, when we started talking about it, I just pressed play, <laughs> and I've just been monitoring. He's out now. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, just... he failed massively, didn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, like the the three wide excuse works midway through a race. You don't necessarily know where everyone is, but going into turn one, like if the person you're trying to overtake is in the middle of the track, you have to kind of assume there's going to be someone on their inside as well. You can't just yeah. turn across and expect them to turn as well. Like, Yeah, it, it was yeah. it was really, yeah. He was trying to push it. He was he knew where Verstappen <laughs> was. He, he was trying to go around the outside. He was just hoping that he, would, he could maybe make Leclerc bottle it and get on the brakes a little bit sooner as yeah. he turned in and it, or... or make Leclerc get out of it but when at that point when you're already at maximum possible braking pressure if you push brake yeah. any harder you're just locking up and going into someone so yeah you know it, it I think it was a really dumb move I think he, he's, he's a Formula 1 driver he should be better than that Hamilton did the same um, thing and I said the same thing about Hamilton at Qatar yeah. well Hamilton said that himself in the cool down room didn't he he said like he did a me in Qatar <laughs> um, <laughs> it was I mean it Perez's comments after the well, during the race and the interviews for him were quite interesting. He he basically said there was a chance there for him to take the lead. And if he had have ended that race, stood second or third on the podium, knowing he had a chance to take the lead and didn't take it, he would have been stood on the podium with regret. And he had a chance and he took that chance. Mm. And that's kind of fair enough. But you can, you know, if just because the chance is there doesn't mean uh, yeah yeah obviously if the chance is there take the chance but then his own actions have made that chance disappear because yeah. he didn't take the chance yeah. in in the right manner yeah you know and i th- i think that's kind of paris to a t like he was a phenomenal driver for teams like force india sauber where you are scrapping for every yeah. single point you can get and sometimes you have to take these massive risks and sometimes they pay off when you're in a front-running car, like the pace the Red Bull had, if he'd have backed out of that, come out of turn one in third or fourth, he'd probably have built his way back up to second anyway. Yeah. And like, you know, I know it's his home race, he wants to win it, but you have to be more of a big picture driver when you're in a front-running team. And yeah. <clears throat> he's never seemed seem to have to got out that. of that yeah. scrappy midfield mentality, yeah. I don't think, has he? You only have to look to the conversation we had the other week where I made a comparison to his time at Red Bull feels eerily reminiscent of the brief sprint he had at uh, McLaren. Hmm. Where as soon as he got in a, in a car that was capable of running with the front and having these battles, he just seemed to lose his racecraft. And, I mean, in that occasion, he was clattering with his own teammate in Jensen Button, uh, yeah. among other people. Because uh, I think it was after Japan we spoke about it because one of his dive bomb moves in Japan was very reminiscent of the situation he was in at McLaren where he went up the inside of Button and took him out. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I don't know what it is. I don't know something about the mentality. It becomes a little bit more desperate because it's like this car should be winning races, so I have to, I have to win races. And, like, it's, there's just something that switches in his mentality. But... It's, it's odd because he's been so reliable for so many years in, like you say, in these midfield teams like the Salvers and the Racing Points through its many guises. And yeah. to be the polar opposite when he moved to McLaren and then again now he's at Red Bull, it just, 
yeah, it, it feels like there's there's something about that pressure that just seems to get to him. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean, look, I think what happened in turn one this week was just desperate. It's more desperation. He's he's had a desperate season. He's uh, he's made a lot of these mistakes, yeah. and um, it's it's all out. It's, it's you know it's high much higher pressure. I think when you're at, especially when you're at Red Bull. And um, yeah, he's just not been able to manage that pressure as well as as other drivers. And I think it's, it's, yeah. it's it must be. I feel for him. I really do yeah. feel for him because it, it, you know he looked really cut up in the in the interviews after. And we are, you know, we're witnessing the collapse of of someone's career here. Like that, mm. that that's you know, and that, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think the way it looks like things are going at Red Bull for Perez. And we'll talk about Ricardo in a second. It does look a little bit like Ricardo's pretty well lined up for that job, for that seat next yeah. season, I would say. And Perez knows that, which is why he's putting himself under so much pressure and he's making these mistakes because it's all compounding and making his life much, much more difficult. So, and you could yeah. see it in that interview after the race. You could see he'd, you just got that sense that he's, he's, he knows that he's, he's losing his drive here because of these kinds of things and I don't think he's got an answer I really don't think he's got an answer no and, and unfortunately for him the next biggest sort of driver story to talk about from this race is Ricardo, who had I would say other than his win for McLaren in Monza probably his best weekend since he left Renault Honestly, like I can't think other yeah. than his win, I can't think of a race weekend this good in his time at McLaren. Um, mm. He was just on it, like from the start, like all yeah. the way through practice, he was right on the pace. P four on the grid is just—it's ridiculous. Isn't what it? Yeah. Where, where was that, that for that from? car as well? That's the yeah. that's the other bit of it, isn't yeah. it? It's, and if you know, if you're Christian Horner, you're going well. Put him in the Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, this is the car that two, three days ago was bottom of the constructor standings and he's stuck at P4 on the grid. Like, yeah, unbelievable. Um, finished P7 in the race in the end, really close to um, chasing down Russell for P6. He probably needed another lap or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was until the, the red flag sort of hurt him. He, was, he might have even pulled off a P5, if not for the red flag timing. Um, but yeah, like such a good dry. And I think... In the same way that that race kind of told a bit of a story of Perez's career, I think this kind of tells a bit of a story of Ricardo as well, because clearly this car and these upgrades and this setup, he said himself, like, it's clicked for him, like, the car's doing what he needs it to do. He's able to, he's got that feel on turning that he needs, he's got the feel on the brakes that he needs. And that's kind of Ricardo down to a T, like, when you give him a car that suits him, he's one of the fastest out there. As soon as the car's out of the window for him, He's kind yeah. of nowhere. He becomes average, doesn't he? He goes from yeah. you know, give him the give him the right car. He's a superstar. Give him not quite the right car, then yeah, he, he can become quite average quite quickly, as we saw at McLaren. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, and- it's it, he's a talented driver, isn't he? We all know that. It's more that yeah, he's he's a little bit more sensitive to setup, essentially. But I mean, I think you could say that about some of the great drivers to be fair like totally i mean even vettel vettel was phenomenal yeah. with the way that red bull was set up yeah. but he never he never really found that form at ferrari and at um aston because the car was never they don't design the cars in the same way that newey does and it just never fell into his driving style whereas at least at alpha tauri for example for daniel ricardo it's somewhat descendant from a red bull so it might not be the same but it's somewhat descendant which means it probably fits his style and his preference much better than some of the other things he's had in recent years Mm. yeah i think so and i think that's maybe what Mm. sets kind of the or one of the things that sets your Verstappen's, Hamilton's, Schumacher's, I could go on, of the world apart, is that the window in which they can achieve that greatness is much bigger than yeah. your sort of I mean, Ricardo's Vettel's of the world, I think. It's, yeah. why I've, it's why I rate Norris in his current form, because yeah. 
I think that McLaren has gone through at least two, if not three different philosophies in Norris's time there. And he's got performance out of every single one of those and dispatched teammates like Daniel Ricciardo in the process. Like it's, it just goes to show he's got great adaptability, I think. And he hasn't even reached his final form. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I mean, I know it's been a long time since Ricardo was at Red Bull, but I don't think there's been a car that suits the way Ricardo likes to drive more in his career than when he was at Red Bull. Yeah, agree. And, you know, things have changed a lot in those years, but even so, like, as you said, Stu, like, that, there's, they just have to be looking at him for that seat because yeah. uh, I just how, don't know how much longer that can persist with the problems this, they're having with Perez. Well, and persist with this sort of, you know, this uh, this sideshow of, oh, he's got a contract for two years, blah, blah, blah. We all mm. know that these contracts are not worth the paper they're written on. As soon as you're not performing, you're gone. And yeah. I am absolutely amazed that Perez has lasted as long as he has this season at Red Bull. I, I really am surprised that they have. If they ha- I think if they hadn't been so far ahead with uh, with Verstappen and and in the constructors as a result, I think I think he'd be long gone. Yeah, I think they would have got um, they'd have been trying Sonoda or they'd have been they'd have had Ricardo maybe straight back in there, maybe even uh, Lawson or someone like that in there to give them a shot because he's just not doing. He's not. I hate to say it, like I, you know, he's a he has been a great driver, but this year he's just not doing the job in that car. He's not doing a good enough job. So, yeah, they would be mad not to be considering other drivers for that seat. It's the best seat yeah. on the grid. So yeah, because as soon as they have some competition at the front, yeah, like, well, I mean, you've only got to look year. at how close Hamilton is now. Hamilton started the season with an absolute dog of a car, and they've upgraded it throughout the season. And he's now still 20... a dog by all accounts. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but... he's still he's still far from what the Red Bull is. It's a long way from what the Red Bull is. Yet he's only twenty points behind Perez. Yeah. Now after this weekend. I if think he'd not that... been disqualified last race, wouldn't he not be? Where did well, Perez yeah, finish? He probably he'd probably be ahead. Um, if not ahead, he'd be only like a handful of points. Yeah, yeah it'd be a much smaller. Yeah. Discord are saying one point. One point behind. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Wow, that's just mad, isn't it? Yeah. Like that that story in itself just tells you what you need to know. I think. But I think you know I don't think anyone's questioning whether or not who you know who the better driver is. <laughs> No, but I think it's not necessarily that. I think it just highlights how poor Perez's results have actually been. And I think this weekend shows that maybe there's a bit more to it than we thought because for a long time I've been saying if he sorts out his qualifying form and he gets to starting back near the front of the pack, he can mix it with them at the front and get the results that he was getting at the start of the season. This has maybe proven otherwise that despite him looking on form and getting some of his pace back and being able to qualify up the front, he can't now race wheel to wheel with them at the front like yeah. he could before. It's, so maybe maybe the problem is deeper than just he's had issues in qualifying and therefore he's having to fight through the field. Um, but I guess that's been slowly unraveling over the last few races anyway because of what we've seen of his racecraft. Like since Singapore, he's hit somebody in every single race, I believe. If, if you if you put if you put it like that, yeah. like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so big the big question here then, uh, which I'm going to ask you both. I'm going to you know quick 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 uh, quick fire answers, please. Does he throw in the towel at the end of the season, or is he given the boot? I think it's a boot if he goes because I don't think any driver's going to throw in the towel. Like, what do you think, do you- Chris? I think publicly, he's going to throw in the towel. Yeah, I think okay, he will be yeah. asked very firmly yeah. if he thinks retirements might be the best choice for him right now. Mm. Yeah, I think. Um, so you're saying a little from Colm A, a little from Colm B, Chris. I, I think, think he's going to get booted, but I think they're going to give him the opportunity to do it on his own terms. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I agree with you. I think well, I think we're all in agreement there. I think he's. Yeah. We, we all think he's getting the boot. I think, don't we? Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, Mercedes? Um, just quickly, just to oh. mop up a last bit of Alpha Terry stuff. Um, I mean, a massive result for them, getting those points from Ricardo. Um, 
it's lifted them off the bottom of the table into P8 now, ahead of Alfa Romeo and Haas. Uh, could have been even better for them, but Sonoda had that clash with Piastri that dropped him out of the points. Um, I mean, you could see that coming a mile off, couldn't you? Like, he'd already had a couple of goes at Piastri, yeah. and it was all very squirrely. And then he just turned in like he wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. There was a ghost of driving standards. Very there were some very ropey driving standards this weekend, I thought. Um, yeah. Dare I say, I thought Sonoda, who's had a very good season by all measures, I thought this race, Sonoda looked a bit like his past self. And I wonder if the pressure of Ricardo doing such a good job maybe made him lose his head a little bit. Um, possibly. Possibly. I don't want to draw an instant conclusion from one result, but I, I, I see the deduction you're making. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's definitely a hint of that to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. But yes, we'll move to Mercedes. Um, great drive from Hamilton. Uh, sixth on the grid to another second place, which he's actually kept this time. Um, also picked up fastest lap on the last lap, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. As we said, close that gap to Perez now to only 20 points for second in the drivers. Um, and when Perez retires mm. at the next race and Hamilton wins it, then he'll have five <laughs> points. Job done. Um, yeah, great drive from Hamilton. Like, really like well-managed. Um, some big overtakes when he needed them. Um Sticking a couple of wheels on the grass to uh, pass Leclerc was particularly exciting. Yeah. Again, another example yeah. of some slightly ropey defensive driving that we saw a lot of. This there was race, some but... awful defensive driving. That I mean, again, yeah, like that was so. If someone did that to Leclerc, Leclerc would be very, very unhappy. If mm-hmm. someone did that to me on a sim, I'd be very, very, very <laughs> unhappy. If someone did that to you or you, Tom, where you were sim racing, I don't think you'd be too pleased with it. I mean, someone did do it to me on a roundabout yesterday and, like, pushed me onto the curb of the roundabout. So I know exactly life. how I feel. Yeah, in real life. Oh was it Charles Leclerc? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a red Ferrari. No, it definitely wasn't a red Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. It was a <laughs> Ford Fiesta, but still. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, less good race for Russell. Um, he had brake and tyre temperature issues most of the race. Um he moved up two places in the race, one from Perez retiring and one from when he passed Ricardo at the restart. Um, but then he almost lost that position to Ricardo later on. Um, yeah, he was a very Russell this season race, really. He was like there and thereabouts, but uh, Hamilton's definitely getting a lot more out of that car than him at the moment. Yeah, yeah, right for now. Sure. It looks that way for sure, yeah, yeah. He's um, yeah, quite anonymous to me. Um, Russell in this race I don't know whether it's because there was a bit more going on elsewhere but it just seemed to be a bit of an also ran in this race he's had a lot of that this year where he's just kind of landed in a bit of no man's land and sort of done his own thing in like yeah. fifth yeah um, I would say not as anonymous as Ferrari though who for the second race in a row went from pole position to being like also runs in the space of like yeah. two corners yeah um they went one two on the grid which we have to talk about popping up one two in qualifying like what yeah. a weird qualifying session that was well i mean well just i could not figure that out like it felt like the ferrari track, couldn't figure it out <laughs> the track evolved somewhat and maybe started to fall away, but because that car's heavier on its, harder on its tyres, they were able to extract that bit more from the track. Possibly, maybe. yeah. It felt like the track was falling away to me, watching quality on Saturday night. Because I think Saturday only night. one, two drivers improved on their final runs, if I remember rightly. Yeah, they might have been the Ferraris. <laughs> In fact, I don't yeah. think the Ferraris... No, no it wasn't. Didn't. Yeah. No, I think it was... Oh, no, because, well, Piastri hadn't put a lap in, so he moved up the times just because he put in a lap time. And I think maybe one of the Mercedes improved a position. But otherwise, like, everybody went slower on the last run. It was, yeah, yeah weird. Um, but, yeah, they turned a 1-2 into a 3-4. Kind of odd strategy they went to. They sort of did the thing where they stuck to their plan and just didn't react to what anyone else was doing. Um it felt like the second they lost the lead at the start, they didn't even try to fight Max and just worried about, which I suppose logically is maybe the right thing to do, but yeah, 
They know yeah. they're not quicker than Max. They know they're not beating Max. So you yeah. just have to worry about what's going on behind you. And they're right. Excuse me. They're right to worry about what's going on behind them because you've got a Mercedes behind you that seems to be quite kind to its tyres in comparison mm. to Ferrari, yeah. who at this stage of the season still haven't got on top of you know for all the uh, accounts that maybe they thought they had. I don't think they have mm. got on top of their tyre wear issues. Which is probably why they put on hards at the red flag restart rather than mediums. Yeah. Yeah. But it just left them completely vulnerable to Hamilton, really. Like, yeah. Well, the other thing is as well, like by putting those on, they, that's probably all they had left. There were a few drivers that were quite limited on tyres at that point in the race as well. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have any other sets that they could put on the cars. Um, I think at least Leclerc had the option of mediums if he wanted. Oh, them. really? I think we're only like halfway at the point that it happened though, weren't we? So yeah. And you do have to run both tires. Yeah. I think the plan was to, to try and go to the end and not have to stop. Whereas with the mediums, they would, um, Mm. I think that was the idea, but yeah, it's, it's weird with Ferrari. Like pole is like a bad thing for them. (laughs) Like doesn't matter which of them it is either at the minute. It feels like, although having said that, Carlos has converted a couple of poles into wins. Yeah, Leclerc but, has had, of his last 10 pole positions, none of them exactly. have been converted into wins. It's And I think Sainz has five, but only two wins from them, if I remember it's right. wild, isn't it? I can't remember if all five of those are Ferrari poles, though. They might not all be Ferrari poles. I don't, I don't think he got one at McLaren, did he? Uh... I don't know. We're not getting into, but yeah, yeah let's, let's my, my, my point is, is like they'd probably be better lifting off and starting second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw um, before the race. Um, where is it? So eighteen percent of Verstappen's total wins have come from a club being on pole. <laughs> and Verstappen has converted 42% of Leclerc's poles into wins for himself. And that was before the, this race, so those numbers are even higher now. Wow, it's that's funny. That's a good, that is a really, really enjoyable stat. It's so funny. Especially if you're a Max Verstappen fan, like me. Um, <laughs> McLaren, should we talk about McLaren? McLaren, uh, kind of botched qualifying. Blando out in Q1. Um, they sort of bought him in when he was on a hot lap, left him with basically... Well, they left him with two chances. One of them was kind of ruined by Alonso's spin. And then Lando himself made a mistake on the one lap that he got in Q1. Um, left him out. Bit of a balls of ball round, really. However, boy, did he make up for it. Um, mm. I've seen several people say that might be Norris's best driving F1. Certainly up there with his best. Um just, it was it was mighty. He made it entertaining, didn't he? When we when we yeah. saw him, when we got we, to see him, he made it entertaining. We didn't see much of him annoyingly, but yeah, we needed him in that race. Um, yes, he's the only driver to start on softs. He was up to P fourteen by his first stop. Um, he made it as high as eighth, and then they pitted him right before the red flag came out, which cost him a couple of places. Yeah, um, had a terrible restart. Um, most because he was avoiding people trying to crash into him on the run to turn one. Um, and then, yeah, in that final stint, he climbed from 14th up to 5th, um, again, making yeah. some super cool passes on the way. Such a good drive. Yeah, very good driver. Very good drive. Yeah. Makes you wonder what he could have done had he qualified properly. Yeah. Should have been on a podium, I think. I think he was disappointed, so wasn't he? Uh, in the interviews yeah. afterwards, he, he was... Uh, visibly and audibly disappointed in himself for not <laughs> yeah. qualifying better because yeah i think and i think it's a valid sort it was, of feeling what was yeah. he? he was like five seconds off signs and 10 seconds off leclerc so i think at that point with where he started and getting scuppered by the pit stops that's a podium yeah quite comfortably i think yeah also, interestingly, at least for one of his pit stops, they told him not to launch out of the pit box to like crawl out on this pit stop because they were so worried about um, temperatures. Right. They were just like, basically, don't launch the car because that's just putting unnecessary heat into it. We'll mm. take the sort of second that'll lose us over the car yeah. massively overheating. Yeah. Well, you, you lose a lot more. Once those tyres, once that heat gets up and it soaks into everything, 
it's very diff- can be very difficult, especially at high. I can't speak. Can be very difficult, especially at high altitude, to get mm-hmm. those temperatures yeah. back down as well. So, yeah, yeah, smart, smart move from McLaren. Um, anything to say on Piastri? Sort of. Um, started seven, finished eighth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not an awful comparison. race, but yeah. also not a brilliant one. Yeah. Um, very interesting battle with Sonoda. I think that was probably the main point Piastri stood out to me during the race was the th- three laps or so that they kept wheel banging with each other and then that eventually ended up with Sonoda backwards, didn't it? Um, yeah, Piastri's defensive driving was very good, but you can't yeah, really yeah. defend against someone just turning their car into the side. Yeah, that's, that was, sorry, yeah, that wasn't a, a finger-pointing accusation or anything. It was more <laughs> just that was about as much as I remember of Piastri from the races, those battles. So... Um, the last few teams just to kind of clean up before we move on to things. Um, Williams had such a weird weekend. Like they were, <laughs> Albon was second in practice one and three. Then he went out in Q2 and they just couldn't yeah. find pace to save their lives. Um, he managed to get up to eighth in the race. Um, I think he was another one that pitted in that one lap when it was a safety car before the red flag, which screwed him a bit, but... Yeah, weird one yeah, for Williams. Bottas did the same. Place. Bottas pitted just before the safety car as well. Yeah, both the Alfa, Alfa Romeo's kind of pad unlucky pit stop timings around the safety car and the red flag. Um, Sergeant weirdly retired at the end of the last lap. He was running, I think, 14th and pulled into the pits instead of yeah, crossing the line. I believe it was fuel um, pump. Yeah. They said, yeah, they said there's a fuel pump issue that they were worried was going to then start causing damage to the um, power unit. So they just got him to stop as quick as possible. Um, Which I'm sure some people in the Predictions League will have been very upset about because that went down as a DNF and uh, not a finisher. Tom being one of them. Yeah, yeah, we just mentioned Alfa Romeo. They made Q3. I mean, they always seem to go well here, that car. They had their upgrades. They made Q3, but... Race pace still missing, as I said, unlucky around the pit stop timing. And then, yeah, we kind of already mentioned it, but to cap it all off, Bottas and Stroll came together in the stadium section, for which Bottas was given a five-second penalty and two penalty points. And I just don't... It's bizarre. I just don't see it? where they've got that from. I've, I've watched the replay like a f- Like, few fair times enough, gone. Stroll, like... Stroll kind of made an opportunistic dive and got himself alongside, in fact, slightly ahead. Like, he, Stroll was, was there or thereabouts, fair enough. But then he just sort of wet, took the next corner like Bottas wasn't there, and he still was there. Like, he just sort of seemed to expect him to disappear. I don't see how they've come to the conclusion that that's I, Bottas's fault. Yeah, I don't really get how. Unless they want him, unless they want him to, like, cut the corner... Down the inside and then just well, completely <laughs> compromise the and then the I'll give him a five second like, for cutting the corner. Yeah, like what else do they want him to do? He's doing his best to stay on the track while Lance Stroll is completely yeah. pushing him out there, and it, yeah, I just like weird. And maybe call it a racing incident, but I definitely wouldn't put any like I wouldn't necessarily go as far to say Stroll needs a penalty for it, but. I yeah. would call it a racing that, incident. That is the probably. very definition of a racing incident for me, yeah. I think. Um, they were racing yeah. and there was an incident. <laughs> That's kind of it. You know, you, know what, you, you know what this situation is again? It's a classic thing that winds it's me up. Visual. It's because of the situation the drivers ended up in. Because Lance Stroll has split... If that had been contact and it had just been wheel banging with a couple of broken front wing... Well, a, like an end plate damage like what Bottas got. That would not have been questioned no. whatsoever. Because Stroll has spun, Bottas has been given a penalty. Even though it's Stroll's own yeah. fault is spun, in reality, for throwing it yeah. up the inside on a part of track that we all know is incredibly tight and then expecting Bottas to just, like, drive yeah, well, off the he's, circuit he's to avoid him. The, the car to disappear. You're <clears> expecting <throat> Bottas' car to just disappear. It's just not how... Yeah. Yeah. That's not how it works. Like cars Plunge. don't just disappear once you've overtaken them. Utterly they don't ghost bizarre. out. Like you've got to allow them. You know, he was still yeah. he still had two wheels on the track. He was still absolutely valid in his position of his car. Yeah, it's up to Stroll yeah. to 
to leave space for the car that you've just overtaken and he just totally failed. I think I think it's characteristic of Stroll so Stroll's driving lately has been I think across the last couple of years he's made a few howlers like this and I think this is just another just yet another one of yeah. those for Stroll. Yeah. Um he's he's not a happy Very guy so. at the moment, I don't think Stroll and I think it is showing in some of his um on track antics. Yeah, I mean Aston Martin had yeah. another shocker of a weekend. Um that could only get thirteenth and eighteenth on the grid, you end up in a double DNF. Um no points for the second time this season. Behind McLaren now. They mm. just yeah, their upgrades just yeah, continue to weird. be downgrades. Like, <laughs> everything they've got in the car makes it go slower. Really weird. Like, how is that? <laughs> they just don't seem to understand. Clearly, there's some something between the Wintel and CFD and the parts going in the car yeah, yeah, is yeah. just not yeah, correlating. Um, right then, yeah. shall we move on to driver of the day? Let's. Who is your driver yeah. of the day? I find it hard to look I past was gonna say Norris. Thing, which Tom will be very pleased about, because I'm sure resident Norris fan will be voting for Norris after that drive. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> he says in his Aston Martin hat. <laughs> for, that, for there to be a resident Lando Norris fan on this podcast, he must be a real big fan. Um, move. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. So be the resident button fan. <laughs> We've got a couple listed. We've got Hamilton on Leclerc, Norris um, on Ricardo, and Norris on Russell as well. I like the Norris on Russell one. I also find it hard yeah. to look past Norris again. Um, no, was Norris, Norris on Ricardo was the one where he took it round the outside through one of the chicanes, wasn't it, initially? Yeah, Outbraked him around the outside of four and then won it on the inside of five. That was the one that was um, up there for me, I think. That that was like the one where, as I saw it live, I was like, "That's the, that's probably my vote for move of the day." There, it'll take something special to beat. That was kind of how I was thinking. At the yeah, time. I think I prefer the his move on Russell slightly because it was Norris approached it, forcing Russell to always be in the wrong position going yeah. through that sequence, and then sort of put Russell out of place and then snuck up the inside. Like it was a really well. Well planned, well executed move. Um, yeah. Technically, do you have a preference to? Technically, like for me, it's uh, Norris on Russell because mm-hmm. there was a bit of a build up to it, and uh, there was some close wheel to wheel racing, mm-hmm. and yeah, eventually got it down the inside. Uh, whatever turn it was, what turn five? I think. Uh, I think yeah. it was four and Either five way. again, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Norris. He, he, he forced him to defend in four so heavily that it compromises line okay. in five. I think. Yeah, it's good sequence of corners for, for a track yeah. that we don't like very much. It's decent sequence of corners. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it just it. This is what I was mentioning at the top of the show. Just like the first sector is pretty good, like into turn one, and then that that bit at four and five, that like sort yeah. of little chicane type thing. Like I think that section is great. Um, promotes overtaking. I mean, yes, fair enough. They've both got DRS in the lead up to them, but it's. Four and five particularly is DRS getting someone in position, but then they are still having to make the move on the braking and at the apex of the corner. It's not just like a fly-by situation. It's like the perfect example of how DRS should Yeah, it should get you breaking. alongside. It and that, I, I do like pass, that bit. Right? Should be, it should be side-by-side by, side by the brakes. Exactly, zone, yeah. Or, or just under side-by-side by, side by the brakes and have to get the defender yeah. on the brakes. And I, I think... Norris was the one that exploited that the best. Yeah. Probably Hamilton. Yeah. Second, uh, next one. I would say. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, sorry, that, isn't it? I forgot about that. <laughs> Honestly, what the f- are we doing? Here? Yes, we've got a few. Um, cutting from a hmm. live battle on the final lap to see Max drive the last few corners. I yeah. I know they're like kind of, they're kind of contractually obliged to uh, show the the winning car go through at least the last few corners but and you do have to show the winner going over the line i think but at the same time they do have the facility these days to do like picture in picture and things like that why not take advantage of that i was yeah. about to say we 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 could at least have the famous bingo square from discord of ta- yeah, action the tiny in the box tiny box action, yeah. yeah come on yeah like at minimum that's yeah. what we should be getting i think um you could practically hear like Everyone Groaning around the world watching the, that, yeah, yeah. like screaming at their yeah, TV. Yeah, there's the collective global groan <laughs> of, 
Uh, it was it was only just entering like the third sector at the point they cut to him. He had I like think that's, so much of the lap to do still. I think any other track they'd probably have waited as late as they could until he was like in the final corner. But I think because of this track, they were like, oh, we've got to show the winner going through the stadium. The stadium. Lap. That's what it is. So it I made it feel right. that much worse. Uh, we've got yeah. lots of Ugh. dodgy defensive driving. Plenty of that, and we've already spoke yeah, about yeah. Bottas and Much. his penalty, which just should not have been a penalty. Um, and then no. nobody giving penalties for impeding and qualifying, despite what was said. And I think this is my favorite <laughs> yeah. one. They said in Singapore that if it's, it happened, they made a mistake, and if it happened again, there would definitely be penalties. <laughs> and they once again did yeah, the did verbal happened. gymnastics to find them to get themselves out of giving anyone any penalties i think probably because max verstappen did the same thing again and <laughs> also russell did the same thing i do <laughs> feel slightly sorry for the stewards here because we have yeah. rotating panels of stewards it's, it's never the same race to race mm. and basically the stewards in singapore with that statement essentially said we made a mess of this it's now up to future stewards to yeah. sort this out. Good luck with that. So I feel like the stewards here were backed yeah. into a corner a little bit. And I think the point they made was valid in the the drivers backing up people at the pit exit were creating gaps at the pit exit to avoid having to try and create a gap in the final sector, which is where we always see a mess. Mm. And the stewards were like, we don't see a solution to this problem, but we need to find one, which I completely agree with. And is it better to have cars being backed up in the pit exit than through the final sector? No, because, well, Probably. yeah, yes, yeah, safety-wise, yes, that is, the, you would prefer that. But, you know, surely... I mean, it's up to the teams when they release their cars from the garage. If there's a queue at the end of the pit lane, why would you put? Why yeah. would you release your car from the garage to just get in a queue? Which se that seems strange to me. But yeah. then also, you wouldn't really necessarily expect there to be a queue at the end of the pit lane because the rules say that you're not allowed to stop in the pit lane. So, and that's the rules, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't know the exact wording of the rule, but yep, you're not supposed to stop in the fast lane on the pit lane because it's a pit lane. You're supposed no. to stop in your box. Yes. Yeah. Sure. yeah there's, there's, as, as, there's as much of a minimum speed as there is a maximum speed for the fast lane, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but I believe there's a minimum speed as well as a maximum speed. And surely, if you want to go to a stop at the pit exit, there's space off yeah, to so the you right practice for you starts, to do that, yeah. but leave space for anyone who wants to just yeah, yeah. go they're, out. They're, they're, they're yeah. quite obviously stopping to block other drivers and to and to make their own space. That they are, I think I think they are genuinely trying to make their own space still, but like yeah, at the expense of other drivers yeah. is not on. Like they should be pulling over to one side. That's that's the thing, isn't it? I don't think it's like an intentional no. I'm gonna block this person behind me. It it's a I want the space in front of me with zero regard for if yeah. anyone's behind me. Like it's not a I'm gonna block this guy, it's a I'm gonna make my space you're if you're behind to wait, me. Because I'm gonna tough. be in your way because I don't Which want is, you taking up the space yeah. that I want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's just selfishness. It's not like it's not malicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We need to. Yeah, like yeah. It, it. Yeah, it's not malicious against whoever's behind them. Is what I guess I'm trying to get at. But yeah, it is getting silly. And to say yeah, to say that we're going to do something about it one race and then leave it up to the stewards at a different <laughs> race to then have to deal with it and get in this situation is. Quite typical FIA silliness. I mean, it's just more it? evidence to show that we need consistent so. stewards throughout the entire season. How exactly? Yes, I, I repeat again and again. I've said it so many times on here. How do we not have consistent stewards across the sport, like across the whole, across the season? Yeah, it's it's strange. I think. I think the thing the thing is that this weekend as well with the Mexico GP, it was. Um, it was worse than what was happening in Singapore. Like in Singapore, it was just kind of slowing down to a crawl and and then kind of rolling on a bit, like like they were in traffic in a, in, in your average road car, just like kind of crawling along at their own pace because the traffic's moving slowly. Whereas this weekend, it was like Russell and Verstappen were basically both just 
parked on the white line at the exit of the pits, like going, I'm not entering the live track until there's a space for me. Like, it was just blatant, like stopping on the line, blocking people. Yeah. Which is even worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. I don't know. They need to get a grip on it Do we know the solution? Somehow. Are we going to come up with a solution here? I don't know now? what the solution is. No. Well, maybe we want to think about... I mean, the solution is to give them the penalties that they're threatening them with because all that's going to happen now is someone will do it again because they've gone from one extreme to a, another and still no penalties have been applied despite it being said that they were going to be investigated after the session. But again, that that in itself is ridiculous. Why investigate them after the session? Do it there yeah, on the spot. Like, yeah. if he he's doing the impeding, I can see him doing the impeding. Yeah. Why do we need <laughs> to wait until after the session? Required, but as well, yeah. yeah, if if he gets through, if he gets through to the, whatever the next qualifying session is at that point, and another driver misses out, but would have got in for that you know, the lap time being deleted or a penalty being applied or whatever it might be, that is not fair to the driver that's missed out on the top 10 or getting out of Q1 or whatever that yeah. situation actually is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, that, that's a, that's even bigger silliness, actually, is that we'll look at it after the session when it's unfolding well, I think we have right a winner. in front of them. <laughs> I think we have a winner there. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the one we've ranted about for the longest. have a quick young Sorry, driver check-in. My fault. Um, before we move on to predictions and what, yeah, as is as is often the case, we had a lot of the young driver running uh, in Mexico this year. Um, we had five in FP1: uh, Teo Porcher in Alfa Romeo, Jack Duran for Alpine, uh, Frederick Vesti for Mercedes, Isaac Hadjar for Alfatari, and Oli Behrman for Haas. Um, Oli Behrman definitely the standout one of the bunch there. Um, Finished ahead of Alonso when he was within half a second of Hulkenberg yeah, in the same car. He's um, rapid, man. Really, he's, he's really gonna, he's gonna go good far. showing for him. Yeah. 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 Him and Antonelli in uh, F2 next year yeah, is going to be time. spicy. Yeah. Um, they've already said he's going to get another FP1 in Abu Dhabi, um, where it's looking like FP1 in Abu Dhabi, like half Great. the grid's going to be <laughs> young <laughs> um, make, make a Yeah, make which will be really good fun. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of notes to mention. Um, Pato Award, IndyCar driver, is going to be driving for McLaren again, as he did last year. Um, and Red Bull are... So every team has to run a young driver in both of their cars at least once throughout the season. Red Bull are just doing both at once when you, in FP1 <laughs> in Abu Dhabi. So neither of their race drivers are going to do When you've won the World Championship five races ago, I think that's... Well, exactly, yeah. That's perfectly yeah. doable, yeah, yeah. Do what you want. <laughs> Just, just um, enter him for the rest of the season. Just, <laughs> Max has got his race record. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Max just, would love that. <laughs> the, the last thing Paris needs is more young drivers getting a run. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they're going to be running Isaac Hajar, who is in the Alpha Terry, um this weekend. Uh, and the second seat's going to go to Jake Dennis, reigning Formula E champion, That's super which exciting. is very cool to see. Like to he's, see been a, he's been a simulator driver for Red Bull for a good few years now, I think, on, on top of his... Yeah. Uh, race duties so yeah that'll be really cool right. to see him get Tom, do you want to take us through yeah. rapidly through predictions please yes um not much to say in the way of us we just got a verstappen win because that's all we're good at um uh, <laughs> in terms of out there though uh john matheson was our winner this week with four out of five uh correctly getting leclerc's pull uh max verstappen's win sergio Perez's first dnf and the random finish, uh, sorry, the number of finishes being 15, just scuppered by Ricardo's finishing position there. Um, in terms of the overall standings, that leaves effortlessly still at the top on 41 and a half points. And then Kirsty Bradshaw and Dagan Dushami are both tied on 39.5 as well. So all very close at the top with what have we got now? Three races to go. So all four to go. play for there. Four. Oh, yeah, four to go, sorry. Um, it's three. No, three. It's three. Isn't it? Three, it's Brazil, Las Vegas, Abu Dhabi. Brazil? Huh. <laughs> well, I want to know, what, so it is. I want to know yeah. what Chris's fourth race is. Just... So do I. <laughs> the only thing I can think that you're looking at is the total number of races we've had and thinking that there should be four added to that. No, it which wasn't. Is, which would be right because Emilia Romagna we didn't run. 
Let's so maybe you, I can tell you it was looking at the turtle. Oh, there we go. Sarah in the chat saved me. I was thinking of the spring race. Oh, Technically, okay. we do have four races to go. So it was worth running Chris spell. over the coals. It's not Eventually, a race. It's it a sprint. Chris over the coals. On that <laughs> um, okay, storylines going into Brazil. Right. Um, this will be yeah. a weak track for Red Bull. One of the very few they were beating at last season at a time when Mercedes do look to be a little bit resurgent. Could we see a Hamilton or a Russell victory mm. at uh, Brazil next next week? Yeah, this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think there's an argument to throw a Norris in that mix as well. Like if, mm. with the pace he was on this weekend and, and how they've looked in recent races, I think that they get qualifying right and they're, they're up near that front row. There's, again, with what they showed in the US, which was a track we thought might not suit them because of the bumps and to still perform like they did, I think there's an argument that... Um, he could be in the mix with Hamilton. Do we see Hamilton getting ahead of Perez? Um, we've got a few big fights with three, le- three races to go. So we've got Hamilton on 20 points behind Perez. Norris can still catch Sainz and Alonso for fourth. He's 14 points behind both of them. Uh, thank you for putting this together, Chris, by the way. Um, Aston are 20 <laughs> points behind McLaren for fourth, but only falling further behind. I don't think, they're, I don't think that one's a, a go for Aston. Um, huge fight at the bottom of the table for the final four positions and millions in prize money um, as it stands. We've got Haas on 12 points, Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri on 16 and Williams on 28. So keep your eyes peeled for wherever that one's going. Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like Alfa Tauri, despite being bottom for most of the season, have kind of got most momentum of those four teams at the moment. Yeah. Like I can see them... Catching Williams is a big ask. 12 points in three races for them. Well, but... if uh, if Ricardo keeps finishing seventh, then... yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, do we think Hamilton I can think catch can. Perez? I th- I'd say so. At it's the minute, he will. Six, I mean, seven points over him per race now? Yeah, I think his... I mean, current form is evident, isn't it? And I think it's easily doable at the moment. Um, mm. I'd, with... with the time we've got left in the season, I just can't see Perez getting back into into form. I just think his head's gone at this point with like what he did like this it, weekend. It? It's just yeah, yeah, yeah too I much. Think so. I think that's going to be a really interesting one for the end of the season. Now, I think that's that's what our season's kind of boiling down yeah. to, isn't it? Is that that battle for second place? That's what's yeah. going to make it interesting. Yeah, I think I think the Norris to Sainz and Alonso one's an interesting one as well. I didn't realise how close he'd actually gotten to them. Um, yeah, he's really. So I think that's an up. interesting one. I think Alonso's clearly out of that, unfortunately. But um, I think it's between Norris and Sainz to fight for that one, which is going to be really interesting because they race well with each other as well. Like you know, they've got a lot of time yeah. for each other, a lot of respect for each other, which leads to good on track battles usually. So. If they're at, to see them fight on track for that position, I think will be really good over these last few now, races. With all that in mind, we should make some predictions for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Yes, our final part yeah, of the final. triple header. It's been a, it's been a long, thankfully. Old, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I've got, I mean, we've got another podcast. We've got another episode to record <laughs> after it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, the last of the intense yeah. back-to-back ones, though. Thankfully. Yes. So, right, let's go with fastest qualifier, fastest in Q3. Uh, Chris, where do you want to go with this one? Going to have to rush you, Chris. <laughs> Podcasts don't work very well when, the, when it's just oh. silent, as we learned earlier in the episode. You are the king <laughs> of delaying at you this point. You talk while I'm doing it. I don't just sit there in <laughs> silence. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go... Head in hands. Oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. Mm. Do you know what? If if there's if there's a point where the Red Bulls looked fallible at the moment, it probably yeah. isn't qualifying. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with a Norris pole, but a Verstappen win. Ooh, Oof. I'm gonna go with it. The race pace has still been there. Um, how about wins for you two? I, I mean, I'm ex. Do you go next? Because I think went Hamilton can win it. Time. I think that the the car is looking a bit better since they upgraded it. I think they've had a, a, a full sort of proper race weekend. I'm giving Chris a bit of time to think of his answer here. Um, a full proper race weekend to, <laughs> to you know to get to grips with you know 
with some proper practice sessions to really understand this new upgrade. So, and I think it showed in the race. I think Hamilton drove really, really well during the race. Yeah. And I think if they can just qualify well, they could be in the battle for a victory at, um, at Brazil. So, yeah, why not? So after all that filibustering on behalf of Chris, are you saying Hamilton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just checking. Just checking. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to brisk it on a Hamilton as well. A double? Whoa. Wow. The last time we had a couple of double wow. hams must have it's been, been what? More double, 2019 more or something? <laughs> uh, next one. <laughs> right. First DNF. Um, Stu, you can go first overall on hmm. this one. Could it be Verstappen? Could it, could this be his one retirement? I think Ooh. I might say Verstappen. Because then that, that makes my Hamilton I mean, win. That <laughs> plays into your Hamilton situation so, yeah. a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Chris? Um, I'm going to say Sonoda, if he drives anything mm. like he was driving in Mexico. I'm going to go with a driver who's on for a triple of DNS, and that's Kevin Magnussen. Ooh, yeah, he's on a rough patch. Not on great form lately. Yeah, and we should point out it was brakes yeah. that uh, sent Magnussen off. Oh, yeah. yeah, not necessarily his fault, but he's on a he's on for a, a hat-trick of DNF. Really so. It was, it was quite scary getting launched into the wall like that, but yeah. Uh, number of finishers. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I'm going to go with steady old 17. Chris? 16. And Stu? Ooh. Um, I almost did a Chris and sat in silence for the extended period of time there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go 70. I want to join you on 70. I know we try to all predict something okay. different for that, but I think 17 is the most realistic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. a difficult one, that one, though, isn't it? Because it is usually around that kind of number. Uh, and then, Chris, I think we've only got one driver left in the random part, haven't we? We have. It is Chuck McCook. Charles Leclerc. Wow, I've as if we Chucky this season. Hmm. Wow. Um, right, let's let's, do let's some quick just math. all. So he's he's not he's not qualifying on yeah. pole because I don't think they I don't think the Ferraris no. gonna be that quick around here. Um, I think he's probably qualifying somewhere around third or fourth. I would say. So let's say third or fourth. Third, I think he's probably going to yeah, go, go backwards a place or two. I think it's fifth or sixth. Uh, I'm gonna go. Wait, which um, one are you going yeah. for? I'll go for the other. I'm going you go for one. I'll go for the other. Perez, I know which one go I'm going fifth. for already. Okay, I'm gonna go sixth then because I I see very similar logic to you. I Chris? was I was nice. thinking fifth nice. as well. Very good. Okay, I'm thinking like Hamilton, Verstappen, Norris, Russell mm. ahead of him probably. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think the battle behind the top three is actually yeah. quite interesting and spicy. Like the, you know, it's you got your Piastri's, you yeah, got your really Ricardo's, yeah, yeah. you got your PS2. Anyway, let's um, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, right. If if you want to get involved with that, it's always worth doing because if you can get all five of these correct in a race weekend, you're up for a prize. So head to backofthegrid.com. Even if you've not entered throughout the season up to now, you might not be in the running for that overall title, but you'll at least be in the running for a five out of five if you can get them all correct. Um, there's also information there on how to get involved with our fantasy leagues. We do one called Grid Rival, and we also do the official F1 fantasy league. So you can find details of both those as well. Inbox. Inbox. I'll take this first one. It's from Corey Zilla, Zombie Killer. He says, so let's talk about that Magnuson crash. When he first got out of the car, it looked like he took mm. a much bigger impact than it did on the reply. I'm wondering if it's... The Oh, replay. This should we replay that? <laughs> not a correct <laughs> issue there. Uh, on the replay, I'm wondering if it's because he hit the wall at an awkward ankle, or because it was pretty much a hit and stop impact. I think he looked a bit winded. Um, he, very yeah, where he went and sat scared me a lot because he was sort. Of, he sort of mm. went and sat in between the two tech pro barriers, and I, I was just thinking to myself, God, if someone. <laughs> Does the same incident or goes into that bit of truck barrier while you're there? That's mm. not going to be pretty. Um, so that was that. Yeah, that scared me a lot. Um, 
I do agree, though, like, seeing the aftermath and the state the car was in first, I was expecting it to be a much bigger accident than what it actually turned out to be seeing the replays. But um, still a big old hit. It was a nasty crash. It was about the worst place you want to have. Yeah, oh, a suspension failure. No, he's um Oh, did it? I didn't realize suspension went. If you watch the if you watch the replay from behind, you see as he's kind of he's in the corner, his left rear just turns Ooh. left Ooh, that's on its own. Cause he had he had that off at the final corner at the beginning of the same lap, which I think was either the beginning of the problem showing itself or possibly mm. the cause of it. Yeah, damage. Um, that was really scary. One. Yeah, uh, just scary. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's one of those where it's probably caught him off guard as well. Like, if you when you lose the car normally, it's like you sort of you can you can feel it going underneath you, and you maybe attempt to catch it, and so like do you know what I mean, there's a, there's a bit more time to react. What happened there with a suspension failure is pretty sudden. Like, it's just gone. And I think that was it. And you saw him sort of, like, kind of shaking his wrists because I think he was still maybe trying to fight it, holding onto the wheel at the time that it hit the wall. And obviously, when they've got the time to brace, you tend to see them take the hands off and kind of across the chest to keep them out of the way. And I think that just it was so fast that he didn't get time to react and it was just a bit of a adrenaline shook up and probably some like yeah some sort of body parts from it being a big hit but yeah um yeah not, not much pretty, more than not that <laughs> no no next one from i'm gonna say that's Vales. yes um yes. how soon are we thinking ricardo will be announced in that second red bull seat 2025 2024 end of the season announcement exactly one the last this one. podcast comes out yeah. <laughs> exactly one day after this podcast comes out it's always the right case that's right? how things normally go um, yeah. I think just over the winter I don't think they'll rush it there's no need for them to mm. um, or will they let Perez do it on his own terms and have a last race I suppose is the yeah, question I can it? see that Yeah, I can, I can see it was getting to Vegas and uh Perez announces his retirement in Vegas and this is really harsh to be saying, isn't it? But maybe he announces his retirement in Vegas and he has a send-off at Abu Dhabi and rides off into the sunset. Honestly, there's still a part of me that thinks he might just I just can't see it. That'd be crazy. (laughs) That would be the biggest shock in the scenario. Do you you think that? It would. I still don't think it's a done deal. I don't think it's 100% yet. I I just think they'd Mm. be bonkers not to put one of these other clearly better drivers in there. I think you're going to end up eating those words after we hit stop, Chris. Probably. That's the the kind of statement that the moment we hit stop tonight prompts a tweet from a team. I'm going to refresh Twitter (laughs) constantly until we're... uh... Until until we're live. (laughs) Yeah, next one. Uh, Charlie Brigden says, Hey, man, do you think uh, Esteban Ocon is the kind of guy to text you when he's five minutes away but then show up 20 minutes later? Or do you think he's only like that when he's working? What? <laughs> that radio message I don't is so weird. Know what we're <laughs> it was. About. It was like, just... So Ocon was chasing Hulkenberg, I think it was, and yeah. he basically went on the radio to his engineer and said... Uh, call Haas and tell them I'm coming, <laughs> and then like well, proceeded like, to I'm send it or something. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what the word it was, but it was like it proceeded to be a number of laps before he was like even <laughs> close. It was just so they did. It was weird. And Haas responded. <laughs> well, all that, yeah, or or they received the call and said, "Speed up, Hulk. He's he's apparently coming for you." It was so strange. It was so weird, yeah. Um, I mean, had he said that and then immediately thrown it up the inside and made a pass, it would have looked legendary, but yeah, it just completely backfired Oops. on him, bless him. Um, and it's now oh, become a it? thing of meme, and it will be coming. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised that wasn't in WTFs, actually. <laughs> I've yeah. gone saying, call Haas, tell him I'm coming, oh, and then just so not grim, doing anything it? about anyway, it. <laughs> uh, last one, then, for this week. Uh, Andrea Hannah. <laughs> says 
What do you think of Yuki refusing to take the blame for the Piastri incident? I was a little shocked with his anger post-race <laughs> in the car, okay, but afterwards this was clearly on him. It was on him. Yeah, I think I agree with that sort of sentiment as well, that like maybe in the heat of the moment as it's like unfolding and, mm. you know, they hopped up on adrenaline and like everyone's going to go, ah, oh, that was that was his fault. Or, like that's just kind of the natural reaction, I think, in a lot of those scenarios. But yeah, to then see it back post-race, have some clarity on it. Like we genuinely normally see drivers come back to those situations and go, yeah, they that was on me. Yeah. Like, I was seeing something. I was seeing something different in the moment, and yeah. I've seen it back. And yeah, I turned in too early. I, I've only got myself to blame, or, or whatever. And <laughs> Yuki, though, it's just like, nope, it's not my fault. The pressure like, is what it is for me. True, there is that. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Chris, any anything to add there, or, or shall I lead us out? No, like I said earlier, I, I I wonder if this is the Ricardo presence starting spook to... Spook uh, people, isn't it? The Ricardo spook. spook. him a little bit, um, yeah. Right, that's it for this week. Um, if you've yeah. got this far, then you must be enjoying it, so you really should click the subscribe button. Um, either that or you just <laughs> do that thing where you know when you really hate something, but you can't help but listen to it or watch it. Maybe people do that, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll take Either it. way, we'll take, that we'll take it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah you can find us in all the usual places on Twitter on Facebook or X which is what Twitter used to be is now called formally every, everywhere you go it's like formally Twitter isn't it every article formally Twitter yeah can we can we not just I all know, agree right? to like, carry on call calling it Twitter, it Twitter? anyway <laughs> it's not like a single person is like oh I don't I'm sorry, know what, Twitter. I don't know what that is no, oh, you, oh you mean X oh what do you mean X oh you mean X right yeah yeah so you can find us on there whatever you call it. Um, and yeah, we will see you for the next one where we will be reviewing the Brazilian Grand Prix. Thanks so much for joining us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Um...